What is up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada athletics, episode 124. I am your host, Matt Hannafin. I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Burroughs. Isaiah, what's going on? I'm doing great. Midweek, feeling all right. What day is it? It's Thursday. And guess what? There's no Nevada football on today. No, there's not. It's Saturday. It's preview week, or preview day. Not preview week, preview day. But first, we got some news. Yeah. Isaiah, I, I have a question to ask you. How many hours is it until midnight of November 25th when the Nevada basketball season is supposed to start? Or is not, it I mean, like, it's not supposed to start at midnight. We don't have a set time yet, but how many hours until then? Take a guess. I'm guessing around 14,000. Am I way off? I mean, do some math, dude. By way off, by way off, yeah, it, I sound way off, don't I? Am I? Is it like fourteen hundred? No. How far off am I? You're off by over a thousand. It's like four hundred. Gosh, that's you know what? I just keep thinking time flies. That that's that's my excuse. It's twelve days and twelve hours. Oh, that's it. Well, that's I mean, November. Right. It's November twelfth. November twenty fifth was is two weeks from yesterday. We're recording this on Thursday. That's right. You know, you, you just lose track of some things. I'm fourteen thousand. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, I was like a few years away. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, three hundred. That's not bad. That's it. Yeah. Oh my God. Three hundred hours and forty two minutes, or no? No, it'd be three hundred hours and twenty nine minutes from. Our exact time, 11.31 a.m. until midnight on November 25th. Wow, that is really, that's coming up. Yeah. I mean, we got some we got some sports coming up here at the University of Nevada. It's no longer, football's just going to be in store. So that'll be exciting. I can't believe I said 14,000 hours. That is completely way off. I mean, how many hours is, how many, like, that's is like, that a year? Hold on, I'm gonna, here, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do some math here. You said fourteen thousand. Yeah, yeah, I think I even threw in an approximately in there to sound smart. That's five hundred and eighty three days, approximately. Wow, so in it's a twenty four hour time time span. Almost a year and a half. Yeah. You year were, and a half total about a day. You were off by several days. Several hours, in fact. Yeah. Not great. Time flies when you're having fun. That's all I could say. I don't think that has anything to do with guessing the the correct amount of hours in a given time span. But that's just my personal opinion. You know, it's, it's just one of those things. Agree to disagree. <laughs> Anyways, do you yeah. want to guess how many... I mean, this is like, you should know this, but just based on a previous question. Do you know how many hours until the NBA draft on next Wednesday? Next Wednesday? so The 18th. I'd be close to what, like 185 hours? No. Not close? My, kind of. A little bit less, I assume. So it's like one forty. Yeah, it's closer than that. Even closer, higher, higher, low. Higher. One fifty. Yeah, it's one forty nine. One forty nine. That's not bad. Gosh, I mean basketball, with college basketball and the NBA coming back so quickly. Yeah, it is weird, isn't it? Usually, it's... the NBA draft and the college basketball season are off by what three months? I mean, we're talking NBA draft in June. Right. That's what I'm no, saying. Yeah. Like June to November. No, more than three months. That's more than three months. 
July, August, August September, September, October. That's five months. I mean, you, at this point, in a typical year, the NBA draft's been here, done that. So is free agency and NBA-related stuff, but obviously... We got Jalen Harris. Yeah. Potentially one? in the draft. We'll talk about more of that next week. But speaking of Nevada basketball, I know we got some news to get into in terms of that regard. And this year, the Nevada men's basketball team was predicted to finish sixth in the preseason Mountain West Conference poll. I know that seems a bit low. We were slated to finish fourth last year and finish tied for second. So we exceed expectations, and I expect us to do the same this year. Do you kind of agree with that statement? I'm not trying to say there's... I know there's a lot of missing pieces, which we'll evidently get into when the season approaches, but I think there's a lot of optimism and a lot of high hopes surrounding this young, talented team. I don't know about you. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of optimism if we're predicted to finish sixth out of 11 teams in a conference. See, I'm saying we're going to finish higher, so therefore I have a higher amount of... I need to see him play first. And of course, we'll... I mean, non-conference is non-conference. We'll get to non-conference. I wish they would release the schedule already. Please hurry. Yes. Just so we can talk about it and break it down a little bit. Because we're going to be doing our basketball preview here in a couple weeks. So be nice to know who we play. And if you're all for, you wouldn't, you don't have an offseason prepared for any team. What do you think he's going through? He's like, can you please release the schedule? I know. Can he, can they give us at least something to work off of at least? So he can at least look on paper. All right. This is what we got going on, guys. This is who we're playing. This is our scattering report. I mean, I know it's two weeks off, but usually coaches have an entire offseason to, to prepare for the first game of the season. And as you, We as, don't even know when the first game is. Is it November 25th? Is it November 26th? Is it November 27th? I mean, and on top of that, we've seen this football season. Oh, games are just being canceled. They're being postponed. They're being moved back. What's to say that's not going to happen come basketball season? So it, it might. Holy moly. It is going to be a whirlwind, but... You know what? Fingers crossed that we'll just get through the season like we're getting through football right now. On top of that, though. I mean, we know. I think November 30th, we play Pacific for basketball. But that's our earliest scheduled opponent. I mean, just only knowing that little of information. If I'm a head coach, I'm a little little uneasy, especially given the circumstances this year. And with Alford, what he has on his plate this year with a lot more young young faces... A lot more, you know, you're seeing his recruiting class really going to be at the forefront this year. That's not ideal, to say the least. No, it's not. <laughs> but I, I guess we'll work with the punches, as they say. All right, San Diego State was picked to finish first in the Mountain West. They had 14 of the 21st total first place votes. Understandable. Really good. Yeah, they're really good. Boise State was picked to finish second. They had four first place votes. Utah State was picked to finish third. They had two first place votes. This is the only first place votes that were allotted throughout the conference. UNLV and Colorado State were also picked to finish ahead of Nevada. And then we got in the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 spot, we have New Mexico, Fresno State, Wyoming, Air Force, and San Jose State. Yeah, that's pretty predictable right there. I was surprised, like you said, to see CSU and UNLV ahead of us. I can see UNLV. I have CSU is nice though. I, they have a couple nice young pieces that they had last year. We're gonna see. I mean, is Isaiah Stevens still on Colorado yeah. State? Yeah, Carvacho's gone. It's, but we'll get more into that yeah. when we talk about the basketball preview next week. On top of that, the Nevada men's and women's basketball team. I know we're sticking with the basketball side of things in terms of the news, but they officially signed three new players on the men's side. Nick Davidson, Jalen Weaver, Addison Patterson. I know we touched upon Patterson in a couple previous podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. He's talented. 
just another addition to the squad. And if my math is correct, that's 14 scholarship players for this year. And I think the NCAA granted winter athletics with another scholarship. But next year, like, how is that going to work? Because we, ha- we only have two juniors and a bunch of sophomores and freshmen. We don't have any people on scholarship who are seniors this year who are going to graduate. How is that going to work? I have no idea. It's just going to be a lot of uncertainty heading into yeah. next year of what we're going to be doing with scholarship eligible players. Yeah, but, you're just going to kick a player off? Like, is Desmond Cambridge going to go pro or something? Is that like, like what's going to hey, happen? You could leave. Hey, I'm sorry. We don't need you. Uh, it's going to be a really tough discussion if that's the case. Like, because obviously you don't want that to happen at all. You you build, you only have a certain amount of spots to work with. And when those circumstances come into play, the last thing you want to do is to take a player off your team. I mean, there's a lot that can happen between now and, of course, the 2021 22 season but do you think there's a possibility where it's all right a player on scholarship doesn't like their role with the team and they transfer out yeah that we saw that could that's a definitely a plausible possibility and not just at nevada you're you could be seeing that throughout division one college basketball just a lot of notable names entering the transfer portal if so many players this year entered the transfer portal and a lot of that is due to this unfortunate situation they're in. I mean, they're just trying to make the most of their ability and showcase what they're able to do. And if they're not in the right situation, more power to them. If they have faith in themselves and believe they can find the right program and fit, yeah, they're going to be filling up the portal. That's mm-hmm. what it is. I mean, that's probably the most plausible theory to me. But I know we're already talking basketball like it's already here, but it's I just mean, what it is. I mean, 300 hours on the away. Mind. Approximately. We sure it's not 14,000? A hundred percent. Okay. hundred percent. I know on the women's side of things, they added three new players as well. Natalie Withrop, Kaylee Bordon, and Audrey Roden. I think you got those pronunciations yes, correct. I think so. And last but not least, a mistake on our part. Which, a mistake on my part. I mean, both of us. Because, in fact, I wrote about it. <laughs> I I don't know why it wasn't in the news from last week, but if you want to, this is pretty big and significant. If you, I don't know what more we can say, but no words, no words. Nevada freshman Tierney Wolfgram broke the under nineteen marathon record with a time of two hours thirty one minutes and forty nine seconds. Oh my God! I, how do you run that fast? I don't understand. Like coming from someone who runs. For her to Six just, to seven times. I know, I, I, it's just amazing. And at that pace, I mean, her mile pace must be out of this world. I mean, if you're a cross country runner, but yeah, it just breaks my brain how you can run, how you can like break a record when you're that I mean, young. That broke the record by just under three minutes. It's been held since 1984. Held by Kathy O'Brien. I mean, that is ridiculous. And that's the 13th fastest time by any woman this year. And the 64th fastest in U.S. history. In United States history. Insane. Just crazy. Absolutely amazing. I mean, much appreciation and many props. Yeah, congratulations, Tierney. If you're listening, that's incredible. It really is. I mean, I can only imagine. Like, I'm thinking about it right now. Like a sub-five-minute mile. Oh, my God. That is ridiculous. It could be a sub-four-minute mile. That's how fast she is. Just to kind of just to have that endurance and that speed and the pace and the stamina, it's just so much of that. It's just so crazy. A tyranny. Wow, it's absolutely mind blowing. 
Anyways, I know we've talked about a lot of sports, but now sports. We're back on the football train. Nevada football. Well, hey, we'll get to it right after the break. And we are back with football. Isaiah, this like kind of hit me as I was driving to campus this morning. How weird is it to you that we've played three games already and we're already talking about approaching the midpoint of the season? It's so weird. Usually that would be, all right, we're a fourth of the way done. The beginning is just hard. We're like, no, this this is the middle point of the regular season. It's kind of, I don't know, it's just wild to me. No, so I'm not used to it. And you're right. I think that's why we've been putting such a larger sample size into each and every game because we only have eight regular season games. So each one matters even more. It adds even more significance to it. So I think that's why our breakdowns and our post-game, I'm not trying to say, what, what am I trying to say? Analysis recap. of each. Yeah, post-game recaps of each episode of our opponent are so in-depth because I think each one tells a story more than ever this year. And the different ways we're able to string together wins this year has really been telling. So I expect more of that as we play New Mexico this week. All right, so Nevada plays New Mexico in Las Vegas, as we talked about a little bit last podcast. The game was moved from Albuquerque to Las Vegas, Sam Boyd Stadium in Las Vegas, the former home of the UNLV Rebels, because of COVID outbreaks. Not COVID outbreaks, but issue, health issues with covid in Albuquerque or in the state of New Mexico in general, and they have a maximum gathering of five people, which is wild. So, they, I mean, they couldn't operate under those conditions. And they're the first team in over a century to play at least six games in a season, none of them being at home. Clemson did it in 1914 with nine games or something. That's insane. That's like, they're not gonna they're not going to be playing any games in New Mexico this year. It's sad. Had no idea, like... I have a lot of faith or some sort of substantial reasoning saying that they did not go into the year expecting not to play a single game at their own home stadium. But just to play each game for them, I'm sorry, it's going to have to be at neutral sites or on the road a lot. It's the way it is. So a little reunion in Las Vegas, though, is going to be pretty fun. Just a different opponent. You know, looking into New Mexico. What if we had more wins against non-UNLV teams in Las Vegas than UNLV. That'd be shocking. I mean, UNLV hasn't won a game in Las Vegas yet. They have two more to try. Nevada hasn't even won a game against a non-UNLV opponent, but they can this weekend. And also, UNLV has, UNLV has more future chances, two to one. That'd be so funny. That would be... <laughs> I mean, you'd really hate to see that if you're a UNLV fan. But, you know, it looks looks like all signs are pointing to Nevada being, once again... Double-digit favorite in this one. Spread, according to William Hill Sportsbook, has them as 14.5-point favorites right now. I made the mistake last preview podcast of discrediting Nevada once again against Utah State and going against the spread. When we get into our predictions, I will most definitely... I will most definitely not make that same mistake that I've made so many times, again and again, just discrediting Nevada from the start of the season to now my eyes are starting to open so starting to come to that realization that hey this team is actually pretty good I mean they're one of two undefeated teams in the Mountain West for a reason I mean I know their schedule has been pretty like terrible they have one of the worst strength of schedules in the nation but hey they've taken advantage of it 
So more power to them. Right. We're gonna see, you know, as as the year progresses, we're gonna get go up against some powerhouses. But for right now, San Jose now, State, of course, the powerhouse themselves, the undefeated Spartans. San Diego State next week. That's a big game. But looking at New Mexico right now, I know they're 0-2 on the year. But once again, they have some firepower on offense, and they've been able to kind of string together some a lot of yards offensively. I know a lot of it hasn't translated to points in terms of touchdowns to win a lot of games, but in a lot of aspects, this team's able to move the ball. But yeah, they have moved the ball. They're second in the Mountain West behind us in total offense with 471 yards per game. They're fifth in passing offense, third in rushing offense. Another team that's just that makes their money off the ground game. They put themselves in the best chance to win if they have a good ground game going. Yeah, most definitely. And I think that's something Nevada's defensive, you know, on the defensive side of things that Nevada's really keyed in on and done a great job to this part, you know, to this point in the season. And it's another tough test. Just don't underestimate their ground game because. Once again, they have another mobile quarterback. They have a pretty do-it-all running back, and I think Nevada's getting, I'm not trying to say used to that, but it's just another challenge for them to overcome, and being able to stop that side of the football is pretty key to victory, I would say. No, I agree. If so, what's going on is Trey Hall is making his first career start, or not first career start, his first start of the season at quarterback, his second career start. He's replaced in Tavaka Teodi. I can't say his last name, but Teodi was leading their team in rushing this year so far, but at the same time also reflective of how potentially dual threat of a quarterback he is. They lost Amari Davis last year who had 832 yards on 5.9 yards per carry, so that's a piece that's gone. Teodi had, he was the team's leading rusher with 140 yards. Bobby Cole, the running back, is right behind him with 136 yards. Hey, Trey Hall was good. In the only game he's ever started was last year versus Utah State, and he had 115 yards and 22 carries with two touchdowns. For a quarterback, that's wild, especially in a sport where sacks count against you. No, that's, <clears throat> once again, that's more just kind of prevalence, like you said, on this run game in multiple facets. And just being able to keep a quarterback in the pocket has been Nevada's struggle in some aspects. I know... Dating back to a couple weeks ago, you know, teams are being able to kind of pick up fourth down conversions, third and shorts with quarterbacks who are able to use their legs. We saw that against Utah State on their, what was that, their second drive of the game following the safety last week? Yeah, I think that was their second drive. And it's just one of the things that Nevada really needs to kind of key in on is being able to contain mobile quarterbacks, and this is another tough test no matter who's behind center for New Mexico because they have, you know, a pretty balanced run game to this point, and it's showcased that thus far. And Nevada has the third-best rush defense in the conference, so it's, in a sense, it's strength against strength. Yeah, oh, most definitely. And I know, you know, looking into the pack defense, being in, getting some credit, I know the offense has really captured a lot of attention for good reason, but right now Nevada's 13th in the nation in total defense giving up just 306, just over 306 yards per game. You can say 307, it's 306.9. But to their credit, they've done their part. I know it's been against, I'm not trying to say, it's not lackluster competition. It's just some of the lesser known opponents and lesser strength opponents in the Mountain West to this point. But don't discredit the Nevada defense and what they've been able to do because they've saved a couple games 
just by themselves. Wyoming is just one example I'm going to point to with yeah, Burdale's uh, interception. Utah State. I mean, the game last week, Nevada's defense held strong while Nevada's offense was trying to find its rhythm. If they were down, let's say they were down in a 21 to nothing hole all of a sudden instead of a 9 to nothing disadvantage, what would that game really translate to be? Would we be able to stretch the field and attack as much offensively as we did last week? So I think we would. Who knows? But either way, you have to give the Wolfpack defense credit for what they've been able to do. And this is another kind of intriguing matchup. And I know through the passing side of things for the New Mexico offense, I know it isn't as relevant and prevalent as their run game, but they do have some wideouts who can attack the secondary in some aspects. Who are they? Yeah, Manuel Logan Green and Jordan Kress, who was the team's leading receiver last year. Those are two guys who could potentially create problems for Nevada on the outside. And Manuel Logan Green had 19 receptions last year. He already has 13 this year, and that's twice as much as any other player on the team. Kress was, again, the team's leading reception leader, I think, with 28 receptions last year, has six this year, but for 120 yards and two touchdowns already. Yeah, he's kind of dangerous, once again, with the ball in his hands. and If you can get the ball to them, they could potentially beat you in the open field. And that's one of the things is I think New Mexico's struggled on in some aspects is getting the ball to their playmakers consistently. It seems as if if their run game is shut down, their whole offense just kind of disintegrates in so many aspects. And then all of a sudden, the you know the opposition is just able to pile on a lot more opportunities in their regard. And it's one of the things that New Mexico is really at a disadvantage with is from a scheme perspective, not being able to consistently get the ball to their playmakers like some of the other top teams in the Mountain West have to this point. I mean, we have a smaller sample size this year, but last year they were fourth worst in the nation in completion percentage. That's absolutely terrible. My goodness. Not even 50%. What You want to talk about stalling drives. That yeah, is just going to dr- stall drives. That's a drive killer. Oh, my goodness. Gosh. Yeah, I mean, have they? Do you think they've shown at least some improvement in that regard? I mean, a little bit, but it's too small to tell. And once again, you see just how prevalent they are in the run game. And obviously, I know as we get into this podcast, that has to be one of the ways that Nevada can really hone in on defensively. Of course, again, they're leading rushers out, but they just have a next man up. Trey Hall's coming in again with 115 rushing yards last year. He didn't do much last week hall last week in six attempts had he went two for six with an interception so i mean that's not great no not at all <laughs> no but i just think heading into this matchup this could really be a game where the nevada defense shows up they've been able to consistently perform and perform well kind of under the radar but i think this is a game where the defense can really show up on the stat sheet because as a whole nevada's defense only has six sacks on the season they only have 10 tackles for loss on the year. And the only turnover they forced was week one, as you mentioned on that Burdell Robbins interception. So I really do think this is an opportunistic defense ready to make some plays. And this could be a great matchup for Nevada on the defensive side of things to really produce some eye-popping numbers. We've, we've talked about Sam Hammond, Dom Peterson, and what they've been able to do consistently creating pressure, but they just haven't been able to hasn't shown up on the stat sheet in some aspects, and that's not, not always the, their fault. Not in the sack category, but the tackle for loss category they have through three games at least. Do you think this could be a game where 
we see Dom explode a little bit? I think so. I mean, we could be talking two-plus sacks easily. And I, I just think that's... New Mexico's only allowed five sacks this season. Hey, they haven't meant... They... <laughs> I don't even want to get into it. Anyways, they... Uh... You got some thoughts there? <laughs> I was just going to say, like, well, they haven't met a powerhouse like us, but it just sounds so corny, even though I just said it. That's why I laughed. But Listen, no. they ran into San Jose State. The buzz saw themselves. The buzz saw Spartans. Transitioning into New Mexico's defense, they've allowed a ton of explosive plays this season. Nevada... At least it seems the last team you want to do that against. Nah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, Nevada this year, we have 60 plays of 10-plus yards. That's pretty ridiculous if you think about that. We have 5-plus plays of 50-plus yards and 6 plays of 40-plus yards. You know, as you've seen and we've talked about constantly through three games, Nevada's defense has attacked. Downfield... Romeo Dubs, Carson Strong connections have been strong. Pun there, my bad. Cole Turner, Justin Lockhart stepping up. It's just been this dominant threat that's been able to improve and show more signs of new aspects and new kind of signs of life throughout the these last three games, and I'm expecting more of it to continue. This is not a good matchup for New Mexico defensively, and this is not the team you want to go up against right now. We're on fire. And... What makes this offense so dangerous is the run game and keeping defenses balanced, and you saw that last week. Toa Tower in particular is fifth in the conference in yards with 193. Having that season high, what was it, 112 rushing yards? 107. 107? 100, wait, 107, 106. You're right, Somewhere 107. It was 112, and then he, I had that originally, but no, it was officially came out as 107. So it's one of the things we've been able to see throughout the whole year is just the three-headed attack from Avery Morrow, Devontae Lee, and Toa Tower, it's really given our offense another element to keep defenses off balance. I pulled up the numbers. Do you want to see Nevada's explosive plays in the passing game specifically? I would love to. 47 plays of 10-plus yards, which is most in the conference by 15. 17 plays of 20-plus yards leads the conference by four. Eight plays of 30 plus, five of 40 plus, 50 or four of 50 plus, and then one from 60. So, I mean, we've been one of the most explosive teams in the conference this year, if not the most. Yeah, I think you can argue that we're the most through three games. And once again, this New Mexico secondary is not strong at all. It's not the, it's not the best part of their team. And I expect Nevada to just attack it continuously as we've been able to do all year and the dubs strong connection can be even better after that first half explosion last week. Maybe it carries through the second half. We'll see. But I expect big things offensively once again from Nevada because they've done nothing to, you know, prove me otherwise. And I think, I don't know if we'll see a stumble maybe heading into SDSU potentially, but this offense is just rolling. You got to have big optimism and huge faith in the team as a whole. New Mexico's allowed eight plus pass plays of 40-plus yards, which is twice as much as the second-place team Air Force in the conference. This is just not... That's not something you want to have. That trend should not continue. Anyways, Isaiah, what's your keys to the game? Heading into this game, I really think 
as we touched about, is just keep stretching the field, keep attacking the secondaries as we've been able to do all year in New Mexico's is one of the worst as we've touched upon. I expect once again a big showing from Strong and Romeo Dubs, but don't sleep on Cole Turner and Justin Lockhart because as we've seen these, you know, we have players who just pop. You know, it doesn't always have to be dubs in a lot of aspects. So as a whole, I think the passing game is just going to continue. I think Strong's going to throw for 350-plus yards for the sixth straight time. I don't see that trend slowing down anytime soon. And that's offensively, that's my biggest key to the game. Second, as I mentioned previously, I really think if we can create some pressure, consistent pressure, I think this is a game that the Nevada defense can really take a stranglehold of in the stat sheet category. I'm expecting big things from Dom and Sam Hammond and the rest of the defensive front. We can force some more sacks, create some more pressures, more tackles for loss, creates things for us offensively as well. So I expect big things for Nevada just on the to just continue, I guess, and to really kind of pump up the stat sheet. So those were basically my two biggest keys. And if you're able to force New Mexico to throw the ball, I think good things will happen in a lot of ways. So just being able to hone in on those two aspects, I think Nevada will ultimately come away with the victory. What are your keys to victory, Matt? Keep the explosive plays going as we talked about, stretch the field, because that's a lot of fun to watch. And um, New Mexico, as you mentioned, New Mexico has been susceptible in that aspect. Keep Limit the penalties. Nevada's been the least disciplined team in the conference in terms of penalties. We've had the most penalties. We have the most penalty yards. One of the ways we can lose if we is if we beat ourselves, and we can't afford that to happen as a double-digit favorite. And shut down the run game, as we talked about. We want to make it hard for Hall, and we want to force second and medium, second and long, third and medium, third and long situations. So we're not in those third and short, second and short situ- situations. So we can, it's more manageable for us. And so we can potentially get more pressure with Dom and Sam and Lawson Hall and insert a name in there that you you would want to pressure the quarterback in those types of situations and just make it hard for him. Yeah, most definitely. What's your prediction? I know Nevada's opened up as a major double-digit favorite, and I'm sticking with that trend. Nevada's going to win, going with 34-17. I think that's just a – I feel good about this one this week. I'm – you know, I feel like I could even go like 38-17, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be modest – once again, hopefully that doesn't bite me, but once again, I just see that Nevada coming out strong. I keep saying strong a lot this podcast, I'm sorry. Coming out on a fast start, being able to string together points and shut down things defensively. So another dominant victory, moved to 4-0, and and heading into a big week against SDSU. What's your prediction for the game, Matt? I'm going to save mine until tomorrow. I'm right, right around where you're at. New Mexico's had the worst pass defense in the nation, allowing over 440 passing yards per game. And they've been the worst scoring defense in the conference, allowing just over 38 points a game. So I think Nevada's going to put points on the board, and I think they're going to do it effectively. We're in a bit of a time crunch. Sorry for everything. Thank you again for listening. Isaiah, do you have anything more to add? No, I think that'll do it. Just another game in Las Vegas. Just another game in Las Vegas. Is there going to be a fake cannon? Gosh, I would love that. Maybe they could, you know, shoot the cannon when we head on to the field. (laughs) Anyways, thank you again for listening. Subscribe. We keep forgetting to say subscribe. Please subscribe. It helps us out a lot. Thank you. 